0: Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan. And DigitalOcean. Go to digitalocean.com and use the promo code here's the thing, all one word like you're slurring it, and spin up your own Linux rig for free. And Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com unplugged and invest in your mind while saving some money. Welcome to the Linux Action Show episode 450. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hey Noah, happy new year's to you. Happy 2017. We're doing last on, New. no, well, yeah, yeah. on New yeah. Year's. That's how we roll. That's how we roll. We're hardcore like that. Well, we got stuff to talk about. In fact, uh, this episode, we are totally flipping the script. We have a traditional episode we do every first episode of the New Year's, and that's our predictions and look back episode. Now, for those of you who like that episode, don't worry. It's not going away. We're just postponing it to make room for something that both Noah and I thought it was time we do, and we want to start 2017 outright with a full review of Solace. The Solo project with the Bungie desktop, something we talked a lot about on Linux Unplugged. And Noah and I both had an opportunity over the break to kick the tires. And we want to give you our thoughts on what might be the most important Linux distribution of 2017. I said it. I said it. And then in the news segment, we're going to talk about... Uh oh, man, what the heck is going on with Cyanogen and now Lineage OS, that entire mess... We're going to go through all of that, plus some great updates from a couple of open source projects that Noah and I absolutely love and depend on, really. I mean, some really good stuff, and then we've got the feedback, but before all of that, Noah, do you know what we've got? We've got the hackers, or picks. Application. What? Russian? What? Whoa. Uh, hey, what about these and What about these Princess Leia headphones you got going on here? I mean, these are some... Yeah, I know. Terry Fisher, I mean... You had in honor, dude. That's nice.
1: Yeah. That, you kind of...
0: You kind of look like her. If you if you were wearing the bikini right now, I would I would be having a hard time telling them apart. I would you really nailed it. All right, that's okay. next week's episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, onto the hackers.
0: Oh, yeah, let's <laughs> let's get, let's get on to our runs Linux this week. Uh, South Korea's first giant manned robot runs Linux. Check this thing out and see if you can spot the Linux. This is uh, this is really cool. Did I say North Korea? Because there, oh, oh, there it is! There it is! There it is! So this is in a uh, South Korean uh, lab and uh, they are inputting parameters into this giant robot and look at them rocking the Unity desktop right there on a dual monitor setup. Look at this thing move around. This is nuts. Look at that hand, Noah. You could crush a skull with that thing. Oh, <laughs> It's a full-on mech. So for those of you on the audio uh, uh, feed, it is just a full-on mech outfit with a cockpit that the dude sits on. He gets in there, and it closes down on him, and he now has a mech machine. Although I think he's only controlling parts of it from the cockpit. Like you can see right here, he's controlling the arms in this particular uh, shot. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if the legs are controlled externally by the Linux computer or what. I think that might be the case. So there it is. This giant mech warrior machine built by South Korea runs Linux. That's one of the coolest ever. Can
1: I point one small thing out? What do you got? That's driving me nuts in that video. His monitors are like this, and they should be like
0: More inward? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because when they're like flat, like that would drive me nuts. Especially monitors that big, I'd be like.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I do agree. It, you'd be looking all over the place. Thanks to Chaotic okay. Kernel in the subreddit who submitted that one I, a couple of days ago. I saw that. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's got to be it. I had a Runs Linux in mind too because I got a good one, a few good ones tweeted at me. But come on. you got to start out 2017 with a giant robot. If you've got a Runs Linux, you can hit me up at ChrisLAS or you can submit it to the subreddit Linux Action show Reddit.com. How's the snow over in Grand Forks, Noah? Did you uh, have to it's- plow to get your way in? I did. I, did, I had to sh- shovel the driveway. Uh, you know, another thing I'll point out. That is the
1: first robot segment we've ever done where you haven't made a comment about how Killing robots us all? are going to
0: take over the world. Yeah, it's be- all. yeah that's yeah. because it's controlled by a human. Oh. Obvious. <laughs> oh, okay. Obvious, yeah. I mean, that's, that's obvious. I do believe that Linux combined with robots that can self-assemble and self-program will be the downfall of humanity. And we will mm-hmm. be known as a footnote in history a tiny footnote as the biological bootloader for the linux powered robot army I, that is i don't but it's not going to happen in 2017 so maybe we'll save that for the 2025 episode i <laughs> knew i was going to say i had to, i had to dig through the snow to get here today too and uh, I had some power outages over the week. It was a yeah, whole mess. You had to dig
1: through the snow, did
0: you? Yeah, I did. You had to oh, brush yeah. It off I did. I had to brush it off and on my door. because you, know right,
1: you don't want to slip if it's on the, you know, yeah. like that. That, that stuff gets slippery. It's like mixing snot and Vaseline.
0: I mean, yeah, it really is. You know what else I don't like is uh, when I open my door and the snow falls in a little bit on my seat. God,
1: yeah. Yeah. And then it melts later and you get your pants all wet. Yeah. yeah. So I had to brush all urinating. that off, too.
0: It's yeah. terrible. Actually, typical dad move is I brushed everybody's everybody's door off but my own. So I got the kids all taken <laughs> care of, I got a deal all taken care of, and then I open up my door and all the <laughs> snow comes in all over my scene. Like stupid idiot. Of course, no. So I actually had myself a bit of a situation. I was sharing some files with uh, one of our producers, and I had a power mm-hmm. outage, and so <laughs> I still had my laptop battery, and it's a Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. so I was able to continue working for a bit. But I'm like, well. Here's what I'm going to do. I uploaded this document. It was like a 400 megabyte uh, video file. I uploaded the son of a gun to my DigitalOcean droplet. I got lots of droplets for different things, Noah, and I'll tell you what. I have been messing around with NextCloud on a DigitalOcean droplet now. I'm paying three cents an hour for my NextCloud droplet. It's absolutely nuts. I started with a base Ubuntu image. I used Snaps to install NextCloud 10, and then I used uh, Snap... Candidate, I can't remember what the it's, you can find it online to upgrade to the new Nextcloud 11, and it is rocking up on my DigitalOcean drop. But one of many that I have, I love this system because it's so easy and quick to get started. You can spin up a system in seconds. It's about five dollars a month for a rig with 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. They have all SSDs for all the storage, so everything's wicked fast. And they have uh, the data centers. Do I have that? Am I saying that right? The, hey, hey, Noah, he's got, they got the data centers. Come on, do it for me. That that would be correct. Mm-hmm. You know, in the biz, we just call them DC. But you know, I want to, I want you to do it with the accent, the data centers, You know, the accent. Come on, Noah. Come on. Uh, New York accent. You know, like make, like Mississippi kind of. You know, come on, come on, give me some twang in there. Like I, I don't, I don't. Data I don't, centers all over the world. You know, something like that. Come on, Noah, give it to me. Uh, come on, Noah. I, I
1: could do like I could do I could do like Canadian. No, I like to do like uh, oh, all you know
0: here we no, got the data center no centers. Come, come on we got the we're, no we're back not back we're back. not moving on no until you get this right. Here's what I want. I want a, I want a Mississippi okay, all right. data centers all over the world, something like that.
1: Like um, that's not that sounds way more New York to me. All
0: right, fine, doing New York. Fine, I just want to hear uh, it.
1: Uh, well, no,
0: like a twang. You right, want a how twang? about here? Is can you do here's the oh, thing? We got
1: data centers all over the world. We got data centers down here in the south. The south is really the, the no, best way down. No, that's horrible.
0: The no, that's that's the worst. That's the worst. I can't believe you can't do better than that. I mean. Well that's South. Yeah, I, just, I you know, I meet people I in South, Grand I meet yeah. people in Grand Forks that have this accent. I don't know how you can't have this. I don't know how you get you should have this in the back. we
1: don't have we don't have Oh have, yeah, everyone oh, talks yeah. like
0: the Norwegian there with the data That's what I wanted. That's That, 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 that what, would be oh, Well there you go. We'll say that. Say North Dakota. Okay, so give me a little North Dakota data centers all over the world. Come well, on, we got the data
1: centers all over the world. There we have a New York, and we have yeah. a, them San in Francisco, uh, San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have them over what about in Germany, Toronto, huh? And we hey, we have them in Toronto. Yeah. yeah, that's the best one actually, because it's they got the snow and that yeah. cools the stuff. Right it next to Alan beautiful. June.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> so that's all I wanted. Three cents an hour, or you can go monthly too by the pricing. They got rigs ready to deploy all the different distributions you'd love and more. Just use our promo code. Here's the thing. All one word like you're slurring it. Apply it to your account, you get a $10 credit, and you can play around over at digitalocean.com. I didn't say from the South. I, know, I said Minnesota initially and Mississippi, but when you it's wouldn't give play. it to me. First of all, Mississippi would be the South, would it not? I I kind of feel like it's the, the the same accent. I feel like it's the same sort of genre of speech. It blends.
1: North is like the Norwegian thing. Mississippi's yeah. like the southern twang. All
0: right. So I said it exactly right. You just didn't do it. Okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> Dance, monkey. I want my performance. <laughs> oh, You want to just move on? Maybe we'll just move on because that just went weird. I got weird. Uh, okay. We got to cover You know, I, I don't even know how it's possible, and I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. I don't know how it is possible to do this show for now over 10 years. Right and not have this be one of our app picks. This, of course, it's appropriate. It's one of the few app picks we can mention that's been in development for longer than our show's been on the air. It's been in development now for 14 years. It finally just hit 1.0. It is one of my go-to applications. This is a big deal. It really is. They got it right. Uh, I literally used it... What? 14 years. Yeah, yeah. No, which, sorry. Them and wine, dude. They're hanging out in a club. Uh, that and Herd. Herd's going to come out soon soon too. So <laughs> Handbrake is just a hell of a tool. It's a real hell of a tool. I. Uh, this is not to be all self-promotional here, but it kind of is. Uh, I've been using it uh, to publish every episode of my vlog because I, I want – and the reason I mention that is because – There's a lot of movement, a lot of drone shots in these things, and I really want the encoding to look good. I won't use my video editor's encoder. I won't just use YouTube's encoding. I really want to nail it, and so I use Handbrake because it's such a great tool. It is literally the perfect Swiss Army knife sitting on top of FFMPEG, and they've really put some nice stuff in the new version. OMG Ubuntu did a great write-up. Joey put something up to sort of celebrate the year. I guess it's 13 years. I thought it was 14 years, but he says it's 13 years. I, I go by... By his reporting on that. Uh, So here's a couple of things that are big for us enthusiasts in the Linux land. VP9 encoding is there. It's legit. It's great. And x265 encoding tweaks have really gotten to be one of the best x265, not four, x265 encoders on the market. New uh, hardware acceleration features that make it really nice. Takes advantage of Intel Quick Sync if you got it. They have specific filters for improving and converting VHS tapes to digital. And, uh, oh nice! Yeah, and better decomb and deinterlace filter settings too, which is also pretty sweet. And then I guess something else to mention is uh, they've updated all of the presets, so all of the presets have gotten tweaked too. If you just use one of the presets, so this is just a, such a great open source app. It's one of it's it's like one of my go to forever, and I feel like a total doofus for never mentioning it on the show before, uh, because I know you use the, it too, uh- right, Noah?
1: I do all the time. I actually, I was just trying to pull up. There is a, uh, yeah, here we go. The Diamond VC500 is a, it's a, uh, it's a 30, I'm going to post a link in the chat room. It's a $34 um, capture hardware. But basically, if you have a bunch of VHS tapes and you want to convert those to, uh, into, you know into digital media yeah this is the capture card that i use for doing a lot of that stuff and so you know pairing that if the handbrake now has a preset for that man that's great because when you capture vhs it captures you know uncompressed video sure it of course there's there you know it's very compressed coming in but it's mm. but you sitting know, the, on the, the drive is that huge yeah you can, yeah so you can you can you can you know, pair that down yeah 35 I, bucks and it works
0: question. it obviously works just you just plug Mainly it in with in linux. linux yeah, yeah. cool yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Question for you: The preset that you use when you do your vlog is—are you using one of the built-in presets? No, or have you tweaked? No,
0: it? yeah, oh, yeah. Because I'm because I'm because I know my destination is YouTube. I've tweaked right. it with high-profile yeah. encoding settings for YouTube, uh, okay. which I wouldn't necessarily do if I was going to distribute it as a direct download, because sometimes those settings, you know, they break people's playback. Uh, but yeah, I love it. And if you are doing it for yourself, I would I would highly recommend test your devices, play around with the different encoding presets like uh, main and high, and see if your devices play them all. And if they all play back, you could probably you would probably be you would probably be shocked at w- with the settings you could get away with and the file sizes you'll get away with with the new HandBrake. Mm-hmm. Just playing around with it for the last couple of days. Just such a super good application, real staple. I know we should if move anyone, on, if but.
1: Anyone- if if anyone's out there that has a like a Handbrake profile that you're like this is the bee's knees for like the best quality with the lowest file size I'd be interested in it because I I and playback the compatibility
0: right because you want to make sure it plays back on phones if you want yeah. your kids to watch it or I don't know I mean yeah, for really, me it just
1: I mean really for me all it has to do is playback in my Western Digital TV life but if I can uh, but if I if I could I've been looking for something that that has a, a sweet file I have something that works but the file size is huge so if I have if anyone out there has something I'd be interested in it
0: huge huge. All right, so um, let's now shift from uh, a real consumer. Well, I guess actually, no, I'm, we use it professionally. Yes, I won't say that, but let's shift gears to a totally different topic Request Tracker, which is the go to classic open source request ticket help desk software. I've used it in many a clients, never actually set up my own RT installation, but. I had, a, I had a really slick setup at a client I went to where a lot of different automated systems would email um, alerts at whatever, and that would get processed by RT, and specific tickets would get created based on the subject and the contents of the email and which server sent it, and it would automatically create tickets and assign them to the right service personnel based on the server group it came from. And you can do the same thing with, like, help desk and other email addresses. This checks that email account, and then parses the email and can generate tickets. This is one way you can do it. It also supports mm-hmm. all courts, direct inputs, user submitting forms, creating them. It has custom workflows and life cycles that allow you to create custom workflows with your tickets and the statuses and their actions. And then you can uh, sort of build around a process. And it even does, and I don't really have a lot of experience with this aspect of it, but it does uh, asset tracking too. with like Things like it has fields for architecture, the make, and you can mm-hmm. add additional custom fields. And all that kind of stuff, including like support warranty information, of course it has Pretty good search. The one thing I really liked using with uh, one thing about RT that I really liked, just to work to break it into my workflow, since I had multiple clients that had this, mm-hmm. was it has support for RSS feeds, so I could pull that into one app that I had dedicated for my RT oh, nice. RSS feeds, and that was a that was a really nice way. Also supports PGP for the inbound emails, so you don't have to tell mm-hmm. people not to encrypt their stuff, which I think is just super awesome. Has a command line interface, has a REST API, has a knowledge base that you can build out, supports ta- time mm-hmm. tracking and t- Task priority. I uh, can do emails to uh, to managers with daily digests and all. Th- it just lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Have mm-hmm. you used it much? Do you like
1: it? I, I have. I used. So here's. It's I'm not going to say I love it. It's I, useful. I I used. Well, I, you know, now we're we kind of replace this with with OOS ticket. But there was a time when I was I had used Request Tracker and then I stopped using it for a little bit and I went back to use it. I couldn't remember the stupid name of it and it wasn't until last week or so when Rakai sent me a message and he goes, "Look at this application. You should take a look at this." And I'm like.
0: I've been looking for that for like a year. Yeah, I've, and, I, yeah. I've over the years I've forgotten the name too because it, the name is so simple. Request yeah. tracker—it's exactly right. what it is. Right. <laughs> it's a request tracker for requests.
1: Extraordinarily generic and not very—you uh, know—not very
0: standoutish. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really funny. Yeah, I, I have done the same thing. So there you go, request tracker. It's something that is another one of those we should have covered before. Uh, bestpractical.com is where you can find it link in the show notes I also put a link in the show notes for that uh, video capture device the diamond device that uh, Noah linked so if you heard him mention that we have a link for that and the past picks you can find at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash last picks. or just check the show notes if they're a little out of date usually you can just check the last few weeks we have everything linked there but with the picks all done let's do the news The news in this episode is brought to you by Ting. Go to last.ting.com. There you'll support the show, get a $25 discount, or maybe actually get $25 in service credit if uh, if you just bring a phone. But the discount's pretty nice, especially if you go over there and just check out this. Look at some of these prices on a couple of these devices. So first of all, SIM cards for 9 bucks. And Ting has GSM or CDMA services. It is mobile service that actually makes sense. There's no contract. There's no termination fee. You just pay for what you use. You just pay for what you use. $6 for the line, minutes, messages, megabytes. $6 for the line. That's the base cost. So if you don't use it at all, it's going to cost you $6. Minutes, messages, megabytes. That's all you pay for, plus whatever Uncle Sam takes in your area. But hey, I don't know what he takes. I don't know what that guy takes. Too much <laughs> right now? Am I ready? Hey, hey. yes. Yeah. All right. any, so. any small business owner would answer too much. So go to uh, lastting.com to get the discount, save a little bit of money, and then uh, grab a SIM card. Grab a SIM card, or uh, get the twenty-dollar Anselltel One tu- Alcatel Alcatel One Touch Fling, twenty bucks. They also have the Novatel MiFi 500, which comes and goes, and this is the CDMA MiFi, which is nice if that's the stronger signal in your neck of the woods. And then they got the whole range of phones. Also, these little uh, smart devices, these little fitness trackers that have a—I uh, think they got like a GSM chip in them. Yeah, look at that—the wearable mobile phone and smart locator for kids. Hey, honey, I got something for you. What? What's that? Hey, Rekai, I got this watch for you. Here, Rekai. Here. What? I just, uh, sorry, I got, a little, I got a little distracted. Yeah, you can check it out at last.ting.com. Go there. They got that. They got uh, they got Beat Your Phones all the way up to the Cadillacs, including you could just go get a Pixel over at the Googs Play Store and uh, just bring it. That's what I would do. Or they go get the Nexus 5X. You still get like another year of patches, like until like, I don't know. It's it, They got a while still. And then they're going to kill it. But then you get the raw, raw Dog Google experience. Nothing between you and that Google experience. And that's the way Ting likes it. Go to last.ting.com. Also check out their blog where they have 2017 cord cutting tips last.ting.com Hey Noah Hey hey Noah speaking of phones do you, you know about CyanogenMod you know yeah and then there's the yes. Cyanogen company and all this stuff like the people behind the OnePlus and all that all right so mm-hmm. Everybody's probably that's watching this show is probably mostly aware of Cyanogen. And if you're not, I'm not the guy to tell you about it. You want to get an explanation from somebody else. But there has been a bit of an upset with Cyanogen Inc., the Palo Alto based startup is shutting down all of its services, including the nightly builds. The company's open source fork, Cyanogen Mod, is also going to be discontinued. In fact, we'll have more on that, so stay tuned. Surprise announcement leaves over 50 million users, which the company claims are using its software, out in the dark. Cyanogen is a modified version of Android that doesn't have to rely on the Google services. More concerning, however, is that many of the users of the OnePlus One smartphone who are on Cyanogen Inc.'s commercial version of Android won't be receiving future updates. OnePlus has not really chimed in. As part of ongoing consolidation of Cyanogen, all services and Cyanogen supported nightly builds will be discontinued no later. Then December 31st, 2016, a.k.a. yesterday, the company said in a brief blog post. Now, I have a friend there who emailed me and said that basically we had a deal with Microsoft – this was like a while ago – to bundle Mm -hmm. Microsoft software in here. And that kept us floating for a while, and I didn't ask. He says the team has assured its community of eight years uh, that uh, it will produce a new fork of CyanogenMod, the people behind the CyanogenMod software, uh, not Cyanogen, Inc., pushing pending patches, et cetera, out to its own OS called Lineage. And Lineage OS has been announced. The Lineage OS Android distribution will, con- they will be the continuation of what Cyanogen Mod, the software, was. Um, and they, uh, you know what? They legit have uh, infrastructure up and going, and they've already been uh, submitting patches to, this, uh, to a new GitHub uh, for Lineage. Horrible name. Couldn't have picked a worse name. Uh, logo's fine, very generic. The, na- the name is super generic. And if they're successful, CyanogenMod will have been something from the past. and it doesn't really make sense that the name is Lineage because it will be referring to something that will eventually be smaller than what the core project now is. But they're a bunch of software developers, not a bunch of marketers. So they're probably just getting right down to work and not worrying so much about the damn name. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm nonplussed. I've never been a big CyanogenMod person. I've always felt like that if you need to use a – and I know a lot of you love it and it's got some great tweaks – but personally, I've always felt <clears throat> that if you have to root a phone and replace the operating system on it and then use a fork of the core operating system that is maintained by a different group than the people that maintain the platform themselves, you probably just need a different operating system. Uh, I, I don't – I felt like that was always – I feel, and I, I, I know a lot of you out there do it. And I do not mean any disrespect because if you have the time to do it and the inclination, I, I used to do it. I probably I, still would do it. No
1: I, I think that I mean, that would be make I more totally sense, get
0: it, like in the sense of like phones that get abandoned by the upstream vendor and stuff. like I totally get it. It does make it, to me, I think though it's it's a bigger problem about the platform. in a lot of ways, it's what the pixel's trying to solve. Mm-hmm. to for me, it's a bigger it's a bigger Android issue. But I know for for a lot of people that are practical and want to get good use out of their device, want to have more battery life and want to be faster and have more configuration options and not necessarily tied to Google. Like there's a lot of super good reasons to use it. for whatever mm. reason, after I got rid of my Evo 4G and I think a lot of it was is I, I always ran into just small little niggly problems, little edge cases that made it – where certain things didn't work in the right configuration. Maybe Wi-Fi calling doesn't work or my WiMAX modem wouldn't work, or whatever it was just always left me feeling like I wasn't getting the most out of my phone in some ways. So I've never been big into Cyanogen. So when I saw this, to me it felt like, well, yeah, this is obviously what was gonna happen. They had, they really never stood a chance against Google. As an open source project that gives people more use out of their devices, 100% support. As a commercial entity that's trying to compete with Google and have more influence over the Android ecosystem, give me a break. I never really? thought that was going to work. So, of course, right. this was going to happen. I don't uh, know that they thought that was going to work, or I, I don't know that that was ever
1: the goal. I of the I think I know the know that business that was the plan the was.
0: I think it was. I think they really thought they could make a better product because, in a lot of ways, it is a better product. Yeah. Make some great hardware deals, and have people back them and give them lots of money, like Microsoft that are desperate to have influence over the Android ecosystem. I think they were really hoping to wedge themselves to have a little bit of influence over the direction of of where Google takes Android. That's where they wanted to put themselves. And you that's so? why yo yeah. And that's why companies like Microsoft cut them a huge check because if you can influence Cyanogen and Cyanogen Inc gets influence over Android, ergo you influence Android. It was a long-term play that on the outside was never going to work especially as Google removed more and more components from the base Android operating system and wrapped mm-hmm. them up as proprietary Google Play apps, they really mm-hmm. sort of just sucked all the oxygen out of the room when they did that for Cyanogen. Um, what, I never so thought it what was successful. Say, but.
1: What, what makes you say that their their goal was to influence you know Android proper rather than just to provide people with an alternative operating system that they could install on their phone?
0: Well, I'm pretty sure that uh, – that in some in some some statements somewhere they said as much. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I'm sure their primary goal was to make a good fork that, that worked really well for people. I, if you think about it, though, if if they got really big, if they had say a hundred million users, which you'd have to have some pretty huge numbers in mobile. I mean, we're talking Android here, right? Potentially a mm. billion handsets on the marketplace. So you'd really have to have some serious numbers. That's why it never seemed. Feasible to me. But I believe that they mm-hmm. thought if we had some serious numbers between the open source users who are implementing it themselves and some, you know, imagine if they had LG and Motorola sign up one time. Mm-hmm. And all, or, or, or Samsung. Imagine if Samsung said, God, we don't like all the control Google has. So we're going to make they a. don't. Right, exactly. It's so instead of. All their apps. You know, with their own version. Right. They just waste their money and their time building their own crap software uh, that uh, they eventually have to start rolling back because nobody likes it. But if they were more clever, if they had been more strategic and really gotten behind Cyanogen, then Cyanogen would have gotten to a point where there's a big enough user base where they could have had some more dialogue with Google about, hey, let's make sure that we can still have access to this, even if we don't have the Play API, or let's let's make sure that you don't necessarily depend on the Play API to accomplish this task. I could see that being a market position they would have, simply as having, really, they would have the option to say, well, if you don't, we're just going to do it in our fork, and then you're going to have the market that are, of app developers that are not going to be able to you know they're going to have a problem. So they could have they could have put pressure on Google either by more dialogue when they have a huge user base, or by just implementing whatever they want in their own fork and causing mm. h- uh, hell for users and developers by fragmenting more. It is yeah. never going to happen. So it's kind of silly to even stem- spend this much time talking about it. But I think that, I think Lineage OS is a great idea as a project. Keeping that going for people who are aware of what ROMs are, and they're aware mm-hmm. that it's a thing you can do to your phone. I think it's a great <laughs> thing to keep going.
1: Yeah, I, I think really, I think it <clears throat> I think you're underplaying the, the niche that it fills. I, I think that if you, I think that there are a lot of people that want to own their mobile experience. They want to own the device. They want to own the operating system. And there's literally no other thing you can do that. You certainly can't do it on an iPhone and you certainly can't do it on a stock Android phone. And so you don't have a choice but to take a, a ROM and install it on, 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 a, on a piece of hardware and... Are there compromises that you make? Absolutely. But then again, there are compromises you make with the alternatives as well. So I guess for
0: sure. Yeah, you know. I guess you're right in the sense that it gives you some control for sure. But uh, at the end of the day, you're still just using Android. And that's the core issue. And if you really feel that way, you probably should be using something else. Maybe it's Ubuntu Touch. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's iOS. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what. Maybe it's a BlackBerry with QNX. I don't know. Uh, I just, I think that, I mean, you make a good argument. (laughs) You make a good argument, but if you just take it to its logical extreme, the only option in that scenario is just not to use Android.
1: I would say. Well, I mean, if you could strip, I mean, here's the thing. If you can strip enough of the the privacy violation stuff away and you load your own applications on top of it, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with Android. It's really when you get all of the Google stuff involved is really where I stop trusting
0: Android completely. I guess I just disagree. I don't, I don't necessarily think – I mean I think the play services contribute definitely to the privacy stuff. But I mm. still think that the operating system itself is just sort of insecure garbage. And so I think – I look at it more from that. Google in my in – my, so Chris's threat vector, Google isn't really the big threat. Google is a privacy concern but it's not the primary threat vector I, I guess for me. But uh, I, I digress because I'll tell you what. I, I, I don't mean to make it sound like I don't like CyanogenMod because I think it was, I, I myself ran it for a while. And so I think Lineage OS going on will be great. I I mm-hmm. think it will always be a niche. It's always, I think it's always going to be a niche. And I think the people that even know what the hell we're even talking about are a minority. To our audience, it might seem like obvious stuff. But I think, <laughs> I think in reality, this stuff is a massive minority. Um, and I think it's kind of a, I think the, the conversation is already over in the public. It's never, they don't even had the conversation. I'm really excited yeah. about MB. You want to talk a little about MB? This is neat. Yeah, so, this is the competitor are. to Plex. And uh, I just saw a conversation going down on the subreddit that shows that we have some new folks on board watching the show that haven't seen, I think it was episode 338, maybe. Okay. Uh, where we reviewed MB. So, MB Server 3.1 is out. And I thought this would just be a good chance to remind folks that it's out there. There's a Plex alternative that is open source that integrates with Kodi. And uh, the, in fact, one of the things in MB3.1 will be faster sync between the MB de- back end and Kodi. Mm-hmm. Faster resume time for video playback. IPv6 is now supported. Uh, nice little tweaks to the encoder. And you can do some nice things by uh, separating the media library f- for latest between different uh, libraries. They have a new detail screen about the uh, actors and the uh, movie you're about to watch, which looks really badass. I have not seen that yet. But that that looks great. Uh, And then um, I also thought there was just other nice little things like they have this post-processing option now. You have the ability to run post-processing applications after a recording is completed of live TV. So you can send it out to something to like clean it up, manage it a little bit. And they've redesigned their recording management too, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Lots of little tweaks all over the place. Can you imagine having like a copy of this running at like –
1: your parents' house that have a traditional cable connection or whatever, yeah, and then that records the thing and then uploads yeah. it to a file server yep. or
0: syncs over to yours and then. Oh, uh, or you know, with MB, really, you could just stream it if that you all have a good connection and then you could sync it when you want the full file. But I'll tell you this too, like, uh over the air is legit. I and sometimes wherever it depends where I have Lady Jupes parked, but sometimes I show up. Like when I was in Berkeley, there was eighty high definition over the air channels I was picking up in in. Berkeley, California. Up here in 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 my neck of the woods, there's like six, and only one or two of them is worth watching. But if you just have great over-the-air reception, try out Embi, and and you have you might have some serious yeah. DVR capabilities for free. And then this next uh, open-source project is obviously super self-serving. It's obvious, so it's kind of obvious why it's one of our favorites. But OBS Studio or OBS Studio, I think, is what they like to call it. Uh, 17 has been released, and it. Add support for instant replay. You can you can live capture the previous few minutes and then play it back. This is a feature like I think Twitch streamers just love and gamers love. So they have a buffer feature and the replay buffer is available with a simple out, output mode and allows the user to create a snapshot of recordings via hotkey. Boom, you trigger that sucker, you preset the amount of time, and plays it back. No, it's just like that. It makes that okay, it doesn't make that sound. But I wish it did. You
1: probably it can probably be programmatically
0: added. Yeah. Also, a fix for X eleven related memory leaks on a Linux boxes, which is a very good thing. You know, I was I was reading the conversation thread here too, and they talk about how right now in Wayland, they really see no way for OBS to do local screen capture. So, like grabbing the web browser, like you and I like to do, or um, mm-hmm or like the how I'm grabbing the chat room right now I'm grabbing this chat room shot or actually you know a lot of things we'll use in live production are like just elements we'll bring in by doing like a capture of a VLC right. window or something they Gosh, say that yeah. there's nothing and this is this is this is an ongoing problem with Wayland but for specifically it affects uh, obs and they say that there's no way in Wayland there's no facility at the moment for them to do that and their only their only ch- their only chance for it to ever work under Wayland would be if the way uh, the, the the gnome compositor built in the support for yeah. it because it's not yeah. it's not what Wayland that's not how Wayland works yep. you yeah, have to talk to the compositor of the desktop environment and you'd right, have but to but here's what I hear one more thing if that were to happen if there was not some sort of universal standard it would mean that in the future if you wanted OBS on Wayland it might be desktop environment specific in other right. words if KWin didn't have these specific Hooks that it needed, you wouldn't be able to run it on the Plasma desktop. This could be a really weird future we're about to get into when you think about it in the way that Wayland is going to affect applications like this. Dude, I'll tell you what, I am so sick
1: of the problems of X. I, I had a, I had a lap. I was at a client on Wednesday, and on my laptop, and I was, I had very, very, very sensitive information on my laptop screen that under absolutely no circumstances could the the people in the room. <laughs> really, and at the same time. I was transferring a bunch of stuff. So I couldn't close my laptop. So I locked the screen and I sat there and I was about to step out of the room. And I, I just went, man, if there's some stupid X glitch or whatever, and because it happens sometimes where like the screen will flicker or whatever. And for like a second or two, it will show whatever's on the desktop. And I'm like, this is a stupid problem to have, but it is a problem nonetheless. And so I literally had to walk to the bathroom with my laptop open. It just looked, it just, I am so sick of stuff like that. I will take desktop, specific capture issues and we can deal with that. It's fine. We have some. Yeah. I I hope that I I feel
0: like, I feel like it's within everybody's best interest to come up with some standard way. Um, And so for those of you that are not familiar, OBS is uh, a capturing software that can bring in camera feeds and desktop and they can stream it out to things like Twitch or scale engine. It's how we're live streaming right now. So you can, it was scales from somebody just playing Minecraft all the way up to people that are doing broadcasts. In fact, you and I were watching. I don't remember if you remember. I don't. I don't remember what the occasion was. But you and I were watching some very high end, like professional broadcasting setup, uh, and they were using OBS, or maybe it was the Beard and I. I can't remember. But we were looking at something, yep. and it was like it was like you know, uh, millions and millions and millions and millions of people watching. It was like some. It was must have been must have been the Beard because it was a live gaming sport event. Yeah, and you know uh, me, I would have
1: probably open the episode without if I saw something like
0: that. Yeah, and it was, and it, and they were running OPS. so it really it scales like crazy. And so, what? But what they're saying is, our functionality depends on the way X works. So for some, like mm-hmm. grab, being able to grab your screen, we use X. Yeah,
1: but I feel like it's something we like got to
0: figure working. out. It is something we got to figure out.
1: But there's, there's just too much weight on this. I mean, there's a ton of things that rely on X because X has been around for 20 years. Every time we talk
0: about Wayland, too, I get emails from people in this audience that say. Hey, you guys never mentioned this, but I use the network features of X every single day to do my job. Either if it's VNC to just oh, S- yeah. SSH X eleven fourteen like I, I use the features of X server to do my job every single day. So I don't know I I don't know maybe I'll think about this for the predictions episode. I don't know if at the end of twenty seventeen even if it's available to me, I don't know if I'm going to be using it. Wayland. Wayland. Yeah. No. Even yeah, though I've been, I, I want it because it's so smooth. Like when I used Fedora 25, man, I thought it was a great experience. Or 26, I can't remember. what is it 20, which one did we just review? Either way, yeah, with the 25.
1: one. I'm in no hurry. I'm in no hurry to get to Wayland. I just am happy that we
0: are moving that direction. Yeah, I, I I, yeah. The, year, security alone, the security issues alone. The security issues alone. really, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so um, it was a new year, so not a ton of news, but we did launch uh just for a limited time because uh, Mr. Alan, Jude, and myself are moving on from the TexNet program, being replaced by New Blood. Um, Dan and Wes will be jumping in. You'll be learning more about them. They're both great and super qualified. And so we thought to send off Alan and myself, we'd once again launch the Patch Your Shit campaign. This is a message for the people. As the Internet of Things becomes a thing, it becomes our daily life, as we all have IP-connected devices, routers that are connected to the Internet that are never getting updated, we, the people, need to spread the message to the other people to patch their shit. And you can do that at teespring.com slash patchyourshit, where you can get a t-shirt or a hoodie in multiple colors, including grab your attention blue, and a tote bag if you'd like to spread the message via a tote bag, and of course, a sticker. I have not actually seen this sticker yet, because we're not making these. It's made by Teespring. But I think it's awesome they offer a tote bag, a patch your shit tote bag, and a sticker, plus the uh, regular tea. Check it out at teespring.com slash patchyourshit, it is a message that transcends TechSnap, my friends. It is a message for the people, by the people, needed by us all. Teespring.com slash shit. Perhaps, Noah, the most important shirt of 2017. No? No? Yeah, I agree. I think it is. Patching is important. Hmm. I feel like maybe you're not patching your shit. All right, Noah, that's all the news I run out to you guys, buddy. for this week. Right now, at this point in the show, is the time we would normally be giving you our 2017 predictions. It is tradition, and when a show reaches 10 years old, traditions are important. However, both Noah and I were well into planning our predictions episode, totally honest-to-God truth, and partway into it, we both just got honest and said, I'm not as excited about doing a predictions episode as I am talking about Solace, and I want to do Solus instead. Like, this is what we're fired up about. Let's do it. To hell with tradition. Let's talk about Solus right now because I really think there are some standout distributions in, in the Linux world right now. I mean, there's your go-to staples that we talk about all the time. But there are distributions out there like Ubuntu Mate, Elementary OS... And others that are really appealing to those of us that have been running Linux for a long time, because we're really excited about what they are doing. I think uh, Ubuntu Mate ran away with 2016, mm-hmm. and it's one of these distributions where if they're doing everything right, they're kind of like your IT guy, or you know, if you're the IT guy, the great thing and the worst thing about IT is when everything's working great, they completely forget about you, and when mm-hmm. everything's broken, they're talking about you all the time. And I think that's what Ubuntu Mate is like. Ubuntu Mate, everything's working great. It's doing a great It's doing a great job. It doesn't necessarily get me super excited. Like, I'm always very impressed and respect the project and the work that Wimpy's doing and how it's growing and think it's really solid. But it doesn't get me, like, super excited about the cutting edge. And that's, that's where I think Solus has a real chance in 2017 to be a distribution that a lot of us are talking about. There's some really interesting things that they're doing as a project, and there's some really killer things they're doing as a desktop. And so, <clears throat> Noah had a really interesting chance to try it out recently. I've been wanting to do it for a long time. I've been getting tweets and emails about it on a pretty regular basis. So today in the Linux Action Show, we're going to review Solus with the Budgie desktop. Not the Bungie desktop, but the Budgie desktop, like <laughs> I normally say it wrong. So before we jump into all of that, I want to thank Linux Academy for making this segment possible. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplug to sign up. Get a seven-day free trial, support the show, and learn more about Linux Essentials and all of the really big business stuff that works on Linux, too. linuxacademy.com slash unplug. There you'll find step-by-step video courses, downloadable comprehensive study guides. Courses come with their own servers, spin them up. You log in over SSH when you need them. It is sweet. Noah and I, both customers now for a long time, have been impressed by the steady amount of features they add. I also like the fact that they're not shying away from things like Azure or even PowerShell because if you're coming at it from a Linux perspective, it's really nice to get instructions and mentoring on these topics from not the Microsoft culture and way of doing it where they speak a certain way and they write a certain way. And I mean, it's just super dry if you've ever been down that path. Linux Academy does it right because they have real instructors you can ask questions. They cover the whole courseware and range of topics, and they're always adding new stuff. I think you should check it out, too, because they've recently updated their mobile app. So if you're on the go, this is a great, great option. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Go there, learn more, and check out their careers page, too, if you're looking for a gig. They do have a couple of open positions. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring. Linux Action Show, and thanks to you guys for visiting that URL, linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. You and I were talking recently. It's been a, it's been like an ongoing thread uh, on, our, on our live streams, and we only do it a little bit in the show, but this whole back and forth about cloud-connected devices, smart things, and you were making, I think, a really solid argument on the pre-show that uh, things like Wemo remotes that you can control with your smartphone that turn your lights on and off... And things like the Amazon Echo, <clears throat> mm-hmm. they, they make cloud-connected devices so easy and so consumer-approachable that they de-incentivize the creation of smart LAN devices. So, for example, right. I can ask the Echo how much gas is in my truck because my truck mm-hmm. has an automatic. It uploads that information to the automatic cloud. Alexa – mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Cancel. The Echo has been has been connected to my automatic account, imports that information mm-hmm. so I can ask it how much gas I've got. And it's like a bunch of different cloud services working together. I never would have had something like this if I had to go build an RF transmitter hooked up to a Raspberry mm-hmm. Pi with an odb 2 port connected to my uh, truck right. computer using RF yep. to transmit the information to something that would be receiving it and then giving me speech synthesis about my questions. It was just, it's not there, huh. so you'd have to have somebody creating that product so when you have cloud-connected mm-hmm. products, there's really no incentive to create that local product. And this has also been my experience with Chromebooks. Chromebooks are the right. same kind of evil. They are enabling a set of people like in in, in, my, in my case, my son Dylan. His entire mm-hmm. second grade class got Chromebooks. Right. I couldn't afford to buy Dylan a computer, right? I mean another computer. He has a laptop. Um, but I wouldn't be able to buy him a computer just to take to school. Like, I can't, here, Dylan, here's two computers. Never going to happen. But his school yeah. bought the Chromebooks. They got some great deal or got them for free or whatever, and they they give they give a class of people who maybe don't have the money to buy the computers and a, an age range of people that maybe wouldn't normally got access technology. Really great tech that gives them access to the world's information for its good and bads, and it's enabling. Chromebooks are evil in the sense that they sort of, Teach children to get locked into a proprietary cloud service that's backed by a vendor that wants to track all of your information and hence why they're willing to sell the Chromebooks for so cheap. So that's the bad part. But the good part is an entire class of people, literally class of people that never would have got access to technology, now have it. And so this has been an ongoing theme. And I'm kind of curious to know what you've been working with recently.
1: So ten years ago, you know, I was, I was started out my IT career working in Windows, and so obviously it was very yep. you know domain controller Active Directory. Yep, same
0: you know, NT four and- was my like my real heyday Windows two thousand Windows two thousand three. Mm-hmm. All of that, and so uh, you know, at, at back at
1: that time, we administ- administration was actually very, very easy to get Active Directory up and running and manage. Yeah. Uh, you know, a thousand users is really a trivial task because mm-hmm. you create the account once, and now they can access on ED yeah, profile super easy to, to
0: connect sudden, the Windows computers to the recommend. domain. Yeah, you can you can just say go in there, change computer name, add to domain. Now every account you've ever set up, all of the group permissions, all of the policies you've set up apply to that computer. Mm-hmm. It's like the only thing Windows really did and- right. So you can, you can achieve
1: kind of the same effect with LDAP and Kerberos and stuff, but it's, it's a major, major pain to set up and to manage. And you're dealing with everything on the CLI and it just, you can't train other administrators to do it. It's a pain in the butt. Now I was working with a client this week and they had a, I mean, they had a Huge Chrome infrastructure. So we're talking Chrome bases uh, for all of their desktops. They had Chromebooks as they were around. They had conference stations so that one could connect to another room. And they had four different offices, and all of the offices were connected with these uh, Chrome conference centers and stuff. I mean, everything was Chrome OS. And when I was when as we kind of got in and started to what kind of what kind of
0: business is this? I mean, can you say? general category business not a school yeah uh, no not a school yeah private industry but so uh, but what i
1: noticed from taking over their uh, cuz we're in the process of kind of taking over their their infrastructure is that all of this stuff is remarkably easy to manage they literally the previous it guy gave me the admin login for the uh chrome console and I log in and all of a sudden boom right there on my web page I can I can ch- I can lock out web pages from everyone's computer I can restore computers somebody leaves and steals one I can wipe that machine remotely I mean every feature and then some that used to be available to me on active directory is is now available to me on this chrome console and they pay like 50 bucks I think for the license for a perpetual License for the machine, and it's good for the life of the machine, which, by the way, cost them 150 bucks. It is such a cost-effective way to implement a true enterprise-grade system that you can manage 200 plus computers, literally no problem. Gee, sounds like that a slam it kind of dunk. My mind, yeah, it was. And so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, that was kind of what my mindset was in. And around Tuesday, I started to think man, I I wonder if we could, I wonder if there's some way I could do this with Linux. And I don't really have a good answer for the management part of it, but as it comes to basically what this client needs to do is they need to open a version of Chrome and all of their applications work inside of Chrome where they have Chrome apps to do, you know, the, 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 the more specialty things, but everything happens inside of Chrome. And so I thought, is there a Linux distro that we could use that functions like Chrome OS? And what I came, I went back and I looked at our previous episode, which I think was, I have it here, 392. And we talked about uh, Solace. And I I was listening to myself and I'm falling asleep. Now this whole episode, this episode right here is going to be Noah being honest. That episode, I was falling asleep and I was stumbling over myself, trying to find something to care about with Solus. And this week, when I wanted a Linux distribution to replace Chrome OS, Solus came to the top and I installed it. And that this uh, this uh, the thought occurred to me on Tuesday. Wednesday, I started playing with it. By Thursday, I was presenting to this client and saying, This is this is a real alternative. We can repurpose you know old hardware, this, that, and the other. And they were sold. It's yeah, this will work. This is great. Again, the management thing really lacks, but uh, you know, that, w- that was really kind of how I got my start with Solus. Kind of interested to hear how you kind of yeah. got started and kind of pit- re-picked back up. So
0: uh, I got started with Solus mostly by talking a lot with Ike on Linux Unplugged. He comes on and he always has a really well-reasoned and thought-out explanation for basically everything he does in the project. The way the package management works, the way repositories work, um, the way they work with graphics drivers and Steam, some of these things I'm going to touch on here, uh, just really impress me, just in general. So I've been impressed by Solus as a project for a while, um, <clears throat> but I really haven't ran it for a bit. Because, uh, you know, I, I I really have this problem when I review distros where uh, software availability is, is just – Everything goes goes great usually until it gets to software availability and then everything falls apart for me and I'm like well mm-hmm. no matter how mm-hmm. great this desktop is no, no matter how great this distro is if I can't use the apps I want I can't yeah. actually switch to it and then that always kills yep. it for me because how's yep. how's almost anything going to compete with Arch's Arch user repository so it's, right. it's unfair mm-hmm. so I I agree I came in very skeptical oh, right. for, for software mm-hmm. availability. Um, And uh, so I want to talk about my impressions of that with Solus because I think that's a linchpin for a lot of people. But I'll tell you my first impressions just to answer your question directly. Really, really, really impressed. Like all of the little things that would sort of delight me about elementary OS, small things, the way Windows render, the way the notifications pop up, uh, the way the panel works, the small little delights, unexpected delights uh, I also find in Solus. Uh, so let's start with uh, the side panel here, which uh, has a great name. I think it's called Raven. And it mm-hmm. is it – it's it's not like a typical side panel that you would see as, here's some great side panel, Vista style, that we're going to toss into our desktop. It's actually extremely useful, and it does stuff mm-hmm. that I would normally enable via GNOME Shell extensions. So here on the Bungie desktop, which is not GNOME Shell, uh, you get right on the Raven panel – audio input and output controls, right here. This is one of the first extensions I install on GNOME. A calendar that's actually useful, right here. Then you get the notifications tray, which shows you all of your recent notifications and you can clear them. I love this if I step away from my computer for a little bit. And I don't need them popping down in my face constantly. So I like how on a per-notification application basis, in the Bungie desktop, when they come up, I can say, don't show me this notification anymore. I don't need to be notified every time I connect to this particular Wi-Fi network. I love that as somebody who has ADD, and it's built right in. When you continue mm. in the Raven menu, you click the little gear, you start to be able to control things like the theme. It uses GTK3 and Arc, Arc Dark, specifically Arc Darker, as its theme. That's what I normally set up on a GNOME desktop. So it, it yeah. has the same look that the GNOME 3 desktop has theme wise, but it feels like a cleaner, faster, leaner desktop environment with this really nice sure. Raven panel where I can get quick, quick access to these kinds of things. Quick access to other things like uh, I can go right to the notifications by clicking a button if I want. I can get right to my power options to shut down, restart. I don't have to go through a couple of hoops to put my machine to sleep. I don't have to hold down a certain key. I love all of that. And if I ever get lost, I quickly felt at home because so much of this is using a lot of the built-in GNOME utilities. Like, so configuring my display here. Well, this is the GNOME yes. display configuration. And I like this tool. Right. I'm glad that Ike didn't go invent it here and have to come up with his own yes. display management. Use the good stuff from GNOME. There's good stuff in there. It's just the other little bits and details that they're taking care of. I mean, in big ways, it it's like- it with
1: your muscle memory, then, too, of how, yes. you know, you,
0: where you go to- Very smooth to transition. Something. Super smooth transition. I like that a lot. So that was some of my initial improvements uh, from a UI standpoint, it's clean. <clears throat> the menu launcher is fast, drops right down. You can search. I can type in terminal, enter, boom, launches the terminal. The terminal looks great. It's got transparency. It's set up exactly the way I usually customize my terminal with the appearance and colors. So that was a nice win because it was just already done for me. It's got an icon-based app launcher, which you can choose to use. I have done that. So Chrome is a persistent icon, that which remains when it's launched or not, which has a little blue highlight here to indicate that it is running. I've added the application workspace switcher applet to get multiple workspaces. It was very intuitive. Uh, I actually was overthinking it. And uh, once I got help from the chat room, it was was quickly fixed. So those are my initial usability impressions. It's ranking extremely high, very, very Mm -hmm. high. So when it gets to things like Steam or software availability, that's when I start getting skeptical on what, I, what I'm going to say are more boutique distributions like Solus. It doesn't have the weight of the Ubuntu community where just by exactly. its sheer size and momentum, game vendors target Ubuntu and the Steam exactly. environment. Like It doesn't have that. It doesn't have, exactly. it doesn't have developers that are just voluntarily porting software. So these are the areas I expected to be very weak. What were your impressions in this area? Y- y-
1: yeah so I uh, I, and, and again I'm on the same boat I don't want to pretend that I would use it for something that I have no intention to. I can tell you right now Solus will never be my main desktop distribution I just don't see that happening really and then the reason yeah and for a lot of for the reasons that, that you that you mentioned is first of all I don't like supporting mul- invasive multiple des- multiple distros so for example I don't want to support uh, all of these packages and figure out how to install them on Fedora and then figure out how to do them on Arch and then on Ubuntu and now on Solus I don't want to do that i just i want to pick a distribution put all my clients on that distribution and then have one way of doing that i think that solus is excellent for opening chrome running a web browser now if it has a lot of other features and if you can use those features and you want to use it as a daily driver god bless you good for you i'm i am I think i completely I think disagree i think i completely nope. disagree so all right well, let's let start. me finish and see. all right okay all right because that chrome that chrome statements that's all right. No, let, let me let me finish. So you have a one-off desktop environment, right? So it's not GNOME, it's not Mate, it's not. It is. It is a. It is. It is a. It's a desktop environment that literally exists on a single distribution. Yep, that's, that's why not i not wanting yep, it. Yep. Yep. Second of all, second of all, I can think of better distributions. If I wanted rolling packages, I would use Arch. If I wanted a totally stable, everything is the same thing, I would use Ubuntu. And I, so there are there are different distros I would go to for different things. There is nothing that Solus offers me that some other distribution doesn't offer except for mm. one thing, and that is simplicity. All right. Sol- there is no other distribution I've
0: used that matches it in simplicity. So, uh, So let's break this down. What was number one? Do you remember? Number one is the it's it's a one off desktop. Okay, environment. so one off desktop environment. They do have a Mate edition available that's getting it. updated. In fact, today it's getting updated with the Brisk menu, which is totally badass. And that and that some of that development was funded by Wimpy from the Ubuntu Mate project. So there is a Mate so edition.
1: Where, where's the advantage then?
0: Why would I? Not, right, why so, would I not just well, use? I think Archive? I think the answer to that will become evident. What was number two?
1: Number two is that uh, I can think of better distributions for. Any, it, it, once I start wanting to get a bunch of other packages installed, it, I either go rolling or yeah. I go totally right. stable and I can think of better distributions for both.
0: Let's talk about that. So I was thinking that same exact thing. That was one of the reasons I was like, ah, I don't really want to try it out because ah, I had that same thought. Blown mm-hmm. freaking away. So first of all, let's start with the way updates work love this and i think you love it too so it starts with required updates are checked these updates are Mm -hmm. mandatory and will be selected automatically second category is security updates these updates are strongly recommended to support the safe upgrade of your device now that's not checked by default i'm going to check it and then there's this third one and this i would imagine for you like with your clients Mm -hmm. would be the one you'd probably never have them check and this is what's brilliant. This is what sets it apart from other rolling distributions from Arch specifically to answer your question other updates these updates may introduce new software versions and bug fixes. So this mm-hmm. you might not check. So that way the version isn't completely changed out. From, so this gives you rolling updates mm. for all of the important base stuff but avoids changing out major versions of the stuff from, under, from out from underneath your users until they have to for probably security reasons Mm-hmm. So I think the way the way with Solus where you can install it once and never have to reinstall, just keep updating forever, but it still breaks mm-hmm. it out like this, is a super sweet balance. All right. So that is the rolling well, wouldn't that be true <clears throat> of Arch? Well no, Arch is you update everything, right? So you everything gets oh yeah.
1: That's not that's not necessarily true. But the only so, separation uh, so is per- the
0: is the base system and the AUR
1: that's that's not true so michael our producer actually sets up an entire separate oh AUR oh my god are, for, are you kidding and, me and runs and runs a repo. i'm just saying you can accomplish the exact se- you can accomplish the same goal inside of other distributions and is coming from the guys that's like a, yeah you
0: a, can use kerberos and openldap to get active directory yeah. but oh my god dude really okay, you're telling you're telling me that yeah, you're going to go set up an arch repository I, no it's built I'm, into the system I'm bro simply saying and it's supported by I the vendor
1: sim- I am yeah. simply saying that there are other ways to accomplish the same task.
0: <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah. I agree that okay. there's more. Okay. I can't hear you. I'm too busy flashing my phone with cyanogen. So let's. So that's <laughs> that's the updates thing. But then I the the thing okay. that blew me away. It blew me away. Was the freaking software availability. Everything <laughs> I need. So he, he, here here was my here's my smug. <laughs> He'll never have this in the repository. <laughs> I'll get you, Ikey. So I go into the software center here, which I have up on the screen, and I go into internet software, and I go into email clients, and I say, self, he'll never have Naleus N1 in here. Why would he have that? It's too esoteric. Well, son of a gun, if it isn't in the app store right there, Naleus N1. And then check this out. Now, I don't know if I'll find it immediately, because there's too many categories. But you go into multimedia, and then video software... Handbrake, version 1.0. OBS, version 17. These have literally been out for a couple of days. You, yourself, have struggled and fought the fight to run a modern version of OBS on Ubuntu. You know that pain. You know the reason we run Arch on our OBS machine is because it is murder to stay current with OBS on Ubuntu. To be fair. I did not
1: care about running the latest version of OBS. You in the beard cared about running the cuz there of OBS are like necessary
0: my... mandatory have to have features in the latest version. Not the 17 but the one that we had before that. Like non-negotiable have to have features. So yeah, we're crazy for needing that, but you want to do it on a modern Ubuntu, go screw yourself. And here, yeah. j- a couple of days, mm-hmm. Solus has it. Telegram in there, installed. Mm-hmm. Every Chrome, Chrome beta, Chrome dev channel, what do you want? Solus has got it. It's got it all. It's in there. Installs mm-hmm. perfectly. Uh, they have this, and I, I don't quite understand the difference between third-party software and just some of the software that's in the repo. Because there's other stuff in the repo that seems like it would technically be third-party software. But it's not in third-party software. It's just listed in the regular apps. But anyways, there's things in here. Android Studio, one-click installation. Opera, Plex Media Server, one-click installation. So that, so that to the software thing... TeamViewer in there is uh, Telegram and I know that yes, Telegram is Q- in there. whatever. Is no, there, te- really? straight up Telegram. I Telegrammed you from it and said, "Hey, this is from, this is from." Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine there's probably going to be some applications, maybe like TeamViewer, since you're you're married to that Windows piece of crap, uh, <laughs> that are. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, I don't use
1: it anymore. To be honest. But no the, the I guess my point is that it, it is uh, somebody is making the decision and it there uh, it, if there is a easy way to get other software sources in there I am not aware of it and if so if I wanted that I would rather it just be based on an ubuntu base and here's the thing I am not knocking anyone if you want to use it as your distro or somebody else out there wants to use it hmm. I'm not knocking that please by all means do that yeah. I'm just saying there's no way in hell I would do it I don't I don't I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, daily I
0: completely disagree I think all the machines you put arch on you should replace solus with you should put solus on them all the machines when you rage no. quit ubuntu yeah i really do so let's talk about no. the steam test let's let's talk about this because fedora what was, was the last version of fedora by the way that we tested would not even yeah. boot on the apollo it was a uefi issue Solus handled it without flaw zero problems mm-hmm. so that's one i couldn't even get fedora to boot this laptop Solus is booting it great but i mm-hmm. want to talk about the steam test because i was I, 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 I just was completely blown away. So one of the things I knew that Ike had done but never got a chance to try it out is this Linux Steam integration setting. Just brilliant. Every distribution. Go copy this. Go, go take Ike's source code. Build it and put it in your repos. Install it by default. This is a solid, solid contribution to the Linux desktop. This lets mm-hmm. you choose between with just a single checkbox using the native runtime envir- uh, libraries on, on Solus which are current and way more optimized than the ones that come in the Steam environment? One checkbox. You check this checkbox, your games play better. If you have any issues, you check that checkbox again, and you go back to using the compatible stuff that comes with Steam anyways. This is mm-hmm. it, normally the way you accomplish this on the Linux desktop. People that you probably you probably already know this being a gamer Noah, uh, but people that game a lot, I am a gamer. Yeah, you uh, fight? Sure. They, uh, oh, be, You, you like probably one. do this. You go in and delete the, uh, the Steam runtime so that way uh, you have better performance on your Linux games. Or maybe it like, fixes your always, sound yeah, issues yeah. or whatever. He's done this mm-hmm. with a checkbox. And then something else that's really great is with another checkbox, you can force 32-bit mode for Steam. So if you have games that don't work with 64-bit uh, uh, architectures, one checkbox. Mm-hmm. So uh, I decided to throw a couple of games at it. Mm-hmm. Games I could not get to work under two different Arch boxes and my Fedora box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of those games launched first try with sound, full screen. Everything worked. Just everything worked. Those games would not even start on my Arch desktops. Mm-hmm. So I. What do you do when? You, what are you gonna do when you come across software that isn't available though?
1: lightworks is lightworks on there i didn't look <laughs> 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 lives
0: on there here's the thing. So you laugh
1: you laugh you laugh you laugh but this is this is the this is the, the very crux of my argument is i think the things that the the use case that works best for solus is the thing you're underplaying and the thing that it doesn't really fit very well for is the thing that you're overplaying i don't think if you want a daily driver desktop where you're going to use a bunch of different software when you sure the main stuff is going to be there when you get into the esoteric stuff i think it's going to fall flat on its face but and, like at what, the same though? time like what we are spending what, Lightworks, for example, while we're while we're spending time talking, if it's there, I don't know, I didn't look while we're spending works. time talking about uh, talking about the amazing software availability, which, to be honest with you, doesn't seem that incredible since all that software is available on Arch to begin with. And it, it it's 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 somebody's opinion of what should be included. Right. And there doesn't yes. seem to be an easy way. That's so the key all thing. of that while we're. While we're focusing on that, we are missing the fact that there is literally no other Linux distribution that I have tried in 10 years of playing with Linux that can do what Solus does, which is offer a straightforward, simple, easy to use interface. Nothing can compete with that. And I sat 50 people down in front of Solus on Thursday, and every single one of them was able to get immediately to work with no training whatsoever, not even Ubuntu with their stupid little bar on the side and the chrome icon right smack dab in the middle of their face. Is it still they can't even find the minimize button because it's you know the stupid of global menus crap. There are every other distribution has a huge problem with simplicity when you just want to get one application to work and Solus is the only distro I have ever used that accomplishes that. That's what I think is like the so amazing thing about it.
0: That does sound pretty amazing. I just think you're wrong. I think... (laughs) Because I think what you're missing is this: the, the the thing that made it possible for them to sit down and start using it and just start working with mm-hmm. it is that one man's opinion who has driven this from when it used to be called something else to this point. Right. And the thing is, mm-hmm. is that he is a pretty rational person most of the time, mm-hmm. uh, who has good taste and doesn't mm-hmm. buy into the hype that sometimes is just that hype. Now, on the other side, I, I still argue that I think I think. Solus would benefit from something like Snap Packages. I know Ike hates it when I say that. Yeah, Because a huge part of what makes Solus great is the curation of the software that goes into it. But there is at a certain point, I got to do my job. There's that aspect of it, right? However, Mm. for me, I got to tell you, Noah (laughs) – My Steam games work great. Telegram works. Chrome is right there. One quick install. Um, Nalaeus is working. No problem. Thunderbird works great. Uh, the terminal's there. Uh, there's more mm-hmm. stuff in that software center than I expected for a long time. It is. Yeah. It, 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 the refinement of this desktop is its elementary OS levels. But it feels like it's built for geeks, but not like in a way that is – here's what I mean, like the Raven panel. Geeks love this Uh. kind of stuff, but it's it's done in a way that is usable and approachable even by that 50 group of users you sat down to use this for the first time. I think they have managed to strike a super important balance, and that balance – is what you're underselling. So you're saying, well, it works great because it's simple and you can just use Chrome. And I'm saying what makes it easy and simple and great just to use Chrome also makes it great just to use Telegram and Chrome and the Terminal and Steam. Actually,
1: interesting you mentioned that. Do you remember uh, earlier in the week I said I have a whole new argument for Chromebooks? Here's that argument. It comes up here. One of the things I noticed about working with this client that just absolutely just sold out to Chrome and Chrome OS. Hmm. Do you know how mind blowing it was when I sat them down on Thursday and I was like, by the way, in addition to your Chrome thing, which you're used to look at Inkscape and look at the, these, and then they're like, Oh wow, look at these applications. It, it's like, Chrome and Chrome OS has allowed and and, and the power of Google has had a market penetration where people say, well, if Google says it's good, it must be good enough. We should be able to do this. And there's not that immediate bear of Linux. That's weird. We shouldn't use it. That's that's something else. And it resets everyone's expectations. And then it resets them to what do we actually need to get work done? Oh, it turns out we can get all of our work done in a web browser. Which sounds ridiculous, but that actually works. And so once we reset those expectations, when you come back in with something and like Solus, which starts out and says, well, yeah, you're right. We start by just saying we can use Chrome and that works very well. Oh, by the way, what works really well with just Chrome? Look at all these other things you can do as well. All of a sudden, people are like, wow, this is amazing. Linux is incredible. It's great. It's powerful. Yeah. Instead of the usual, well, it doesn't have Microsoft Office. And it doesn't have outlets. So it doesn't have, you know,
0: you know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to nail a point because I think you're right there. But I want to make sure people that may be a little skeptical still. I want you to understand. Uh, the, really, all of the gaps that you would normally have in a boutique small distribution are filled in either by the Solus team thinking ahead, or by just the great selection of GTK apps that are already available for the GNOME desktop that are just available on the Bungie desktop or Budgie desktop. Uh, and, of course, you'd have some of the similar things with me. But what I really think people are looking for in a distribution more and more, honestly, is this install once and just let it continue to get updates. People who play around right. with that, I mean, I think that's a huge reason why Antair Gross is, is blowing up because people really are sick of that now. You want to buy a laptop, you people install the distribution, you leave it. So had it not been for that
1: feature, Solus would not have been an option for it. Because remember, I'm coming from people that have, that bought these Chromebooks and the promise from Google is, and I don't know if this is going to be true with the whole like merging Android Chrome OS thing, but, but they, they were told we spent $179, we buy this box and it's updated for life. I have to, now I have to, that's the bar I have to meet. All it has to do is run Chrome, but in their instance, but I, but it has to be updated for life. And so the fact that Solus does that, and then has an update manager that allows it to update frequently enough to keep them patched but not so frequently that things break i'm telling you there's no other distribution that can do what Solus does
0: Yes, that, that, that was what i that's what i took away from it this week and it feels it feels lightning fast on the apollo so this is a two core i7 yeah. mobile chip uh with iris graphics and it feels dude lightning fast i was
1: re- I was running it when we were testing it. I was running it on a Core 2 Duo with 4 gigs of RAM, and it was lightning fast. Really? Core 2 Duo. Yes. And an SSD, 4 gig as the Dell Vostro V131. And it was a tiny little, uh, you know, one of the first Ultrabooks, Core 2 Duos, what they had sitting around. Yeah. And I installed it. And I'm telling you, as fast as the brand new freaking uh, Acer 1080p Chromebook thing that they had. Yeah.
0: As fast. I, I feel Absolutely. like I feel like this is a super super well performing desktop. And then because the, it's so easy to switch between the Steam runtime and the Steam Naive libraries, uh, I got this new game. I think it's called like Sub Zero. Uh, let me check. Mm-hmm. Um, I got this mm-hmm. new Steam game. It's really cool. It's like Descent. Yeah, it's called Sub Level Zero. Uh, unplayable. Unplayable under GNOME Three on this computer. Okay. It's now. It's not like it's a dramatic difference, but it's playable under Solus. Same okay. computer, Arch with GNOME Three. I- actually it was fedora uh, uh, fedora with gnome 3 but but, so, but i also but that stuff
1: is light so yeah, desktop but desktop is lightweight.
0: But like, on top PUBG of that, is just
1: a lightweight desktop.
0: I, on top of that, I think there's a lot of great decisions. So, 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 just I, the reason why I mention that, the reason why I harp on it is because the amount of insight and thought that went into making Steam a really great experience has gone into mm-hmm. the entire stack, and I, I literally can't sit here and properly uh, enunciate to you all of the w- ways in which little decisions have been made. If you've listened to Ike a bit on Linux Unplugged, you might have a pretty good understanding of that, uh, and mm-hmm. I, I walk away thinking. At this point, I'm going to keep using it, and if I don't hit that wall that you're talking about, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm going to reload Hairmaster upstairs with Solus. Really? Okay, yeah. I tell you what. Here, what July says on air right now,
1: I will eat crow if Chris reloads his main workstation upstairs with Solus. Yeah. Everything
0: I just said about And, like, and you I'm know, tempted to blah, do it. Blah, blah. I'm really tempted to do it to Airmaster too, uh, which the reason for that is – and I, I don't know. Maybe I just got lucky. I don't know what's going on, but uh, – I've never I've never had as easy display management as I so I do this thing in the studio where I'm moving HDMI cords around and uh, a- about the second time I've removed HDMI plugged it into a machine and then come back to another machine and plugged it back in usually the desktop environment just gives up and it no longer is mirroring the second or third time I've plugged in the HDMI cord it just stops and I have to reboot the desktop environment has to detect that I have that pl- oh my uh, my updates done Nice. I'm all up to date. Uh the desktop environment has to detect that I've plugged HDMI back in and then I go back in and I reset mirroring up. That's how mm-hmm. ha- that's how it works a lot of times under Plasma, that's how it works under Gnome 3 under Budgie. I don't maybe I just got lucky, but I just I went into the display control panel and it auto detected everything. It just I just clicked on that icon and it auto detected everything. The screen did a quick flash and my mirroring was set back up even though at first it was blank like it typically is. Like there's <clears throat> Working with multiple displays, and I have another display that's vertical. And working with multiple displays has has been perfect with Solus for me. Um, so that's another reason I'm considering doing it because multiple displays is a big part of what I do here in the studio. Uh, and having a machine that I can get continuous updates for, and not have to reload, is hugely important for me in the studio. So this, honestly, if this, if you actually fall,
1: if you actually end up doing this, it's going to be a huge statement, and it kind of invalidates a lot of the stuff that I just said. So, for example. You're willing to give up all of your gnome extensions, your ping indicator, your imager
0: poster thing. you're willing to give all that up. I have to I have to use it for a while and decide I would miss the ping indicator and stuff, but a lot of my core extensions are in the Raven sidebar. so and there's mm-hmm. there are widgets and applets that I can add. so I just have to play with that kind of stuff because uh, I do love the ping indicator because it's just such a nice technical thing for me over Wi-Fi yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. that other stuff is kind of already built into the desktop. I don't really need the other stuff. One thing wow. I do kind of miss is like a a button I can press to get all all windows overview like with, in GNOME when you hit the meta key, you know, and you. Oh yeah, yeah, cascading. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now it does it does uh, when you hit the meta key, it does open the menu. So that's yes. a big win. I like yes. that. <laughs> yep. And the search well, is no, nice yeah, and fast.
1: You know, That again, that's one of those small things that would have barred it from from me actually ever using it is I have to be able to hit my, it's every desktop environment I use, be it GNOME, Ubuntu, whatever. I hit the super key, I type the name of the application, I press enter. And if there's a distro that doesn't do that, I'm out.
0: A little desktop environment doesn't do it, I'm out. A little birdie in the chat room tells us that uh, GNOME Shell is in the repos. So you could... uh (laughs) <laughs> you could just oh. install Gnome Show <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then I would use Arc, Dark Theme, and I would set up everything just the way you've set it up, Ikey. I would set up my Gnome desktop to look almost exactly like the Budgie desktop with just a couple of extra extensions. And at that, that point, I've lost some of the performance gains, so I don't really. I kind of, I'm going to try it out for a bit. I really am going to keep it on this machine. This is the machine I have at home with me. So I'll get some good use out of it. I'll do some show prep on it. We'll see how it goes. But I re- I'd say if you want a simple machine that gets continuous updates, that works like an appliance, like Noah's saying, it's a great desktop for that. If you give it a run, kick the tires, look if the software's in there for you, I, I actually think it's ready to be a full-fledged desktop. And I think, honestly, part of me feels like they're kind of just getting started. And that's yeah. really exciting. yeah, that, that's
1: true. Yeah, that's true. And I and and as a disclaimer, is like none of what I said is meant to be, uh, you know, derogatory to the developers. No, 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 uh, you know, d- no disrespect. I'm very appreciative of what you did. And like I said, I think it it nails a niche that just doesn't exist anywhere else. And believe you me,
0: I looked. So I mean, you're deploying it. I'm deploying it. Either way, mm-hmm. either way you shake it. So I'd say give it a try, and uh, maybe you'll be impressed too. I certainly was. So it's. I'd say for both of us, it's a, it's a big recommendation. I'd say, though, go a little further. Go all the way. Try it on a rig. I think you might be really impressed. That's the Linux Action Show's look at Solus. Or Sol OS. Solus? <laughs> Evolve? Evo- what? Evolve? What? And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. But before we go, we got some emails, some feedbacks to read, a couple of things to tell you about And uh, a sponsor to thank. In fact, you know what? We also have this crowd supply uh, game, this open source Libre game. So we should mention that, too. we got a few things to cover still before we go. So let's thank System76 for making all the shenanigans possible. System76.com. Go over there. Get a rig built for Linux, supported by a vendor that's in the Linux ecosystem, working to make Linux better all the time, and super easy to try Solus on. Oh! (laughs) I just say it's because one of the great things about System76 is they work really hard ridiculously hard to make sure they get hardware that's not going to give you trouble. They ship it with Ubuntu, they support Ubuntu, but really you can run just about any Linux on there. It's so awesome. And you know, I hear from a lot of people these days that are looking at the Lemur. The Lemur. It's a nice portable laptop and just for a couple of more days you can get it it on sale. They have a holiday sale that ends on January 3rd, so you really got to move fast. But they have great prices. You can get a 14-inch laptop with a 7th generation Intel processor. The other machine from System76 we hear people getting a lot is the Oryx. Um, and I know some of you out there also are, are rocking Rattels. There's some great desktops too. System76.com. Go there and tell them Noah switched you to Linux, even if you already run Linux. It's just it's a little joke. System76.com. Get a machine designed to run Linux. Stop fighting with your hardware and get playing with your Linux. I want to just give a quick mention to Hexoshi. It's a uh, it's like a it's a hipster pixel game, but it's it's Metroid. It's it's a classic remake of Metroid, and I have a super super duper soft spot for Metroid and it looks pretty good it looks pretty it looks like an original original regular Nintendo Metroid and uh, they uh, they're only looking for 1100 bucks they've already raised 1200 but you can still get in they still have uh I think that you know I don't even know if you're gonna I mean they've been funded but it's just such a cool project I wanted to I wanted to raise awareness to it because I am super excited Super excited about it. Also kind of excited, I got, uh, got a new vlog episode posted. I, I spent the night in a junkyard. Actually, I spent a few nights in a junkyard, and I recorded it, and I made a vlog out of it, and I did it for fun. I know it's crazy. You can find it at YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher. That's my name, YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher, and uh, go watch a video not only about the junkyard but, uh, but other shenanigans, all kinds over there. All right, our first email comes in from Ken, and he's got a comment about Entergoros. GDM, Wayland, and Fedora25. He writes, So I watched uh, the uh, last 445, hats off to Wayland, and found something very interesting. I've been running Debian on all my PCs and in my house and on my server workstations. I decided to give Gross a try based on some of your recent episodes. I liked it so much I switched all of my machines, all of my workstations, but my server's still Debian. Uh, He says, uh, The family room, NUC, which has Intel graphics, I switched to GDM. So I had a touchscreen and things like that. He said he noticed a few things. Something went a little odd, some stuff disappeared, some icons went away, and then he started to do a little digging, and he discovered that Anagross had automatically been using Wayland when you disabled LightDM and enabled GDM. I've been running Wayland on Air- Anagross and didn't even realize it. <laughs> so he was like, wait a minute, when you guys were talking about Fedora 25 being the first to ship with Wayland, I think you forgot the fact that Anagross had been doing it natively already. You just have to use GDM instead of LightDM. Um which I think we actually did make quick mention of we did. in the review. You, you mentioned it when, some, when the chat room was giving
1: you a hard time about it yeah. being on, available on AfterGhost. And first, my
0: point yeah. was is that uh, Fedora was really the first distribution to sort of productize, package it up, and ship it all. And uh, I think with Anagross, the same thing. You have to be using an open source driver for that to work, uh, which uh, I have GDM, for example, on this Anagross machine here and uh, using the NVIDIA proprietary driver with uh, GDM. Nah, I'm still using X. So it just kind of depends on your setup. All right, you want to read uh, Jason's email? Today.
1: Yeah, Jason writes in and he says he wants to talk about Hangover on Nextcloud. And he says, uh, today I installed Nextcloud 11 on FreeBSD 0P6, some BSD thing. FreeBSD. I 11. was totally impressed after setting up the admin account and decided I would set up a user account and see what was possible. I decided not to initially set up email, but rather uh, first import Google Contacts and Google Calendar. They were both large data sets, as I've had an account since 2005. This may have been a mistake. As the calendar was importing, I started to get bounced mails come into my service Postmaster account. Next, I was sending Next was sending all of those invited to a previous calendar event's emails Uh-oh. from site name at.tld. The server was spamming 11 years worth of calendar contacts. Immediately, I shut down Postfix <laughs> and my FreeBSD server. And notice that the import was only halfway finished and already 100 mails were sent out. This is really going to piss off a lot of folks like me who saw the project featured on the Linux Action Show and decided to import data into a new install. Uh, It was specifically touted as a project replacement for Google Apps and Dropbox. While it seems like this less marketing promo press release and more devs testing, especially the functions of users while adopting NextCloud is in order. I don't think we necessarily said or implied that it was ever ready as a complete Google you know, replacement. We said that it was a project that is making a lot of really good traction and has a lot of really good functionality. There's a big difference there. <laughs> we well, yeah. ever told you
0: to t- 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 You know, this is this is a real pain in the ass thing about um, hosting your own mail server and doing all this stuff. Like we, I, 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 yeah, if you got it set up and it works for you, more power to you. But a lot of people write us and say, exactly. "Hey, should I host my own mail server? Should I spin up a droplet and host my own mail server?" And it's just no, it's not worth it. This kind of stuff is so obnoxious. Uh, so we shut down Postfix. Uh, to prevent it, but and that's nice—the fact that you have access to be able to do that. But I wonder if I wonder if this wasn't a bit of an implementation issue combined with the way the mailer was set up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of ways to prevent this kind of thing. I have never experienced this, and I have imported my Google Calendar, my Google Contacts, once as a test, and I did not experience have, the same thing.
1: I would guess you don't have postfix set
0: up on the on the box. No, though, right? I was no, yeah, right, correct. Didn't even have actually probably didn't have. You mail should not set up. do that. You should not do that. Well, it's good to know. So if you are going to set, if you're going to get all, you know, just experiment first. Just experiment with that first. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think the Google replacement angle comes in from something that gives you drive-like functionality, calendar and contacts. That is hot check, hot button stuff for Google, right? I I think eventually we'll get there. I
1: just don't know that we're there yet.
0: Yeah, maybe so. It's getting close with like LibreOffice collaborative editing in in there and stuff like that. But yeah, it it doesn't probably get to the same enterprise level that uh, some large organizations would need. So just, Be careful. And experiment. Test. Test, test, test test before you put live mailing stuff in production. Test, test, test. I think that's really the lesson to take away. And uh, good luck, Jason. And hopefully you'll stick with it and let us know how it goes. It's probably because you're using FreeBSD. Ah, I just kid. I just kid. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Just a couple of things to pass on before we go. The Linux Action Show is live. I think we'll probably do our predictions episode next week. We'll just swap these around. So that gives you guys a chance to toss in some predictions and maybe we'll steal them. Go over to linuxactionshow.reddit.com to leave those or tweet them. I'm at ChrisLAS, that guy's at KernelLinux on the Twitters if you wanna do that or if you're watching on the YouTubes, just leave a, leave a comment down below and give us a thumbs up for actually making it this far into the video. I mean, if you made it this far, Give, give this video a thumbs up. That's incredible, even if you're hating on it. That's just a damn impressive. Uh, and uh, last but not least, you can contact the show. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. You get the live times, which is every Sunday, over jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Put jblive.tv into your browser of choice and watch it live. Um, or get the Kodi app and watch it on your TV. Right? Right? No, is there anything else we want to mention? Where can people find you? What are you up to? Anything you want
1: to plug? Uh, at UltraSpeed, we were out. Uh, we were out hosting a, a New Year's party. And did lights and sound. Of course, everything was done on Linux. And oh. if you followed us on Twitter at UltraSpeed, then you would have seen pictures of that. And if you're in the area, you could have come by, had a drink at uh, Gully's Bar. So, did about 500 people show up? I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't have a way of, of counting. You think all, all I, a I lot can of tell people? you is by like by one or two. Yeah, by one or two, there was a wall of people between the front of where we had the DJ booth blocked off, all the way back to the door fire code kind of went out the door somewhere filling that town up you guys are
0: it's a hot spot it's a hot spot (laughs) (laughs) that's great you know what I'll also pass around the network um, account because it's just a good good uh, account to follow even if you're not a Twitter user you just want to read the feed to get like updates releases things like that Jupiter signal at Jupiter signal on Twitter all right everybody thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux action show and we'll see you right back here next week Well, we can, You want me to summarize? Sorry, this is what well, happens when I do feedback. No, back no, last no. no I'll, I'm just going to reformat a little bit. Okay. You say it's reformat formatted for Markdown, way. but uh, I would I would argue with that, statement. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, here's you know what? You are your own. Here's here's the. You will regret this decision. Well, you don't know you were gonna, but you probably would regret it if you knew what it did to me. But like, here was one of the first things Chris ever said to me. I fly in to Seattle, plane lands, get in my car, drive to the studio. We meet up, we have dinner, hey, welcome to the show, really great to have you excited with the things we can eat, blah, 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 blah. We sit down and Chris goes, I'm gonna show you the workflow, how we go through all this stuff. I said, okay. And then he made the biggest mistake of the Linux Action Show career, like ever. Here's what he says to me. He says, you should install Harupad. I said, oh, okay, great. And I'm installing Harupad. said, you're not using Harupad. And he goes, that's because I know Markdown, so I can just do it in the text editor. Boom, What? right? Like, now it's, now it's in, on. Immediately, like, I can't even control myself. Inside of my mind, well, I, I can learn Markdown. You don't think I can learn Markdown? I'll learn Markdown, I'll do it <laughs> in a text editor. Pfft, watch me, watch me do Markdown text editor. Oh, you can do it in Google Docs, I'll do it in Google. Here's the problem, <laughs> I don't know Markdown. And the problem is, if you're not using a Markdown editor, you don't know when you screw up. So here I think I formatted everything perfectly,
0: <laughs> so I'm going through and like I'm adding uh, I'm adding quotes to the paragraphs so that way they can see you see on the right how it's all one big block of text but if I add quote blocks then it, it renders better on the site so it's easier to read not only for us but for the audience too. So I'm kind of going through and breaking up the into paragraphs. Jesus, these are long ass messages, dude. Yes, Rikai. Rakai's correct. A, I never learn
1: markdown and so B I'm just embarrassing myself. That is correct. Actually, that's what I just said. I just said it in the longer, you know, on air Noah story <clears> time <throat> kind of way.
0: Ah, oh, we gotta get going. What's taking you so long, dude? I was screwing around <throat> a little bit. Actually, 148's is not bad considering we started at like 12:30. Well, All right. Yeah. Well, if you could, uh... geez, look at that.
1: Look Here's at that. Like, I'm look. almost. I need to screw around a minute.
0: Just okay. Sure. That makes sense. Thank you. Okay. No. Okay.